What is data orientation? By the end of this episode, you will have a better idea of what we mean in functional programming when we talk about data orientation. It's a very common idea in functional languages. Hi, my name is Eric Normand and I help people thrive with functional programming. So data orientation really quickly is just programming with data. But you know, let's go a little deeper than that. So what is data? Got to start with with the basics. You know, you look it up in the dictionary and it says it's facts about events. So something happens, an event, and now you have some facts about it. Maybe you measured the temperature, right? So that's a fact about the event of measuring. This is what the thermometer told me. It's 80 degrees. Um, they, they're facts about events. I mean, that's, that's a very clear uh, definition. So when we're doing data orientation, we're programming with data, a lot of our code becomes data transformation. So we're getting data from one source and we're processing it, we're storing it, we're transmitting it, we're doing something with this data. Okay, and, and that's uh, one of the reasons why I like data orientation is uh, we're making information systems usually. That's, that's, you know, especially on the back end, we're taking in information, we're taking in HTTP requests, we're taking in transactions or some other API calls or we're reading sensors, we're doing something. We're taking in information and we're doing something with it and data orientation is basically just saying let's just leave it as data came in as data it's going to go out as data let's just treat it like data the whole way through now data has some interesting properties that make it good for this one is that it has structure uh, we have computer scientists that is we have found different structures of data that are both efficient to store you know in memory and use and also ergonomic we've come up with algorithms that use them and and they are convenient for the programmer I'm talking things like arrays and hash maps numbers strings all these things that we're used to these are these are just data uh, and so you can build structure, you know, you can rely on the structure of those things. Data comes in, it's got um, certain, certain attributes. Those attributes might have a name and a value. It becomes natural to think maybe this would be a good candidate to use a hash map for because I'm going to be looking up these values by the attribute name. So that's, uh, that's the structure part. Sort of a plus and a minus, it's a double-edged sword, is that data requires interpretation. It's not meaningful by itself. 
If I said the number five, you have no idea what that means. Even if I put a unit on it, five pounds, you still don't know what it means. It requires context before it uh, can be used. And that context might be embedded in the data. It might be from the, the software or the, you know, the interpreter's perspective. It, 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 it really requires uh, uh, interpretation. Like you have to have a purpose. Why am I reading this? What can I learn from it? What decisions can I make from it? And all of that stuff means that without those things, the data doesn't have any meaning by itself. Uh, just as an example, um, I know this is kind of silly, but like I look at, I look at data as like a really old tradition. Like it goes back to the earliest record keepings that we have, like before the invention of writing, you know, you could mark the number of, of cattle that you were, you know, trading, uh, with someone on, on a stone tablet or something or a clay tablet and you, you're counting, right? And you're keeping records. Like each little mark is, is a fact about an event. A cow passed through this gate, you know? So you're just marking that. And then you have this aggregate data. Now, they're just marks on a clay tablet. But if you know how to interpret it, you can glean a lot from, from it. So then the the clay tablet gets buried somewhere uh 4000 years later an archaeologist finds it and now they have to interpret it now they might figure out from context oh this was counting cattle right and so they're not just worried like what the person who originally made this thing was concerned with was like getting a fair deal you know they want to make sure that that everyone's getting paid the right amount of money like that's their concern right but now this archaeologist can interpret the same marks in a totally different way the archaeologist can now say oh well, like let's learn about the economy of this civilization oh look this year was a really good year look how many cattle came through here now, this year is really bad because it had a you know fewer number they must have been hungry at that time. And then that might explain why they went to war or, you know, whatever, whatever they are, can glean from it. That is now a different purpose from the same data. That's what I mean when data requires interpretation. That's kind of like it's meaningless by itself. But on the plus side, it can be interpreted in multiple ways. It's kind of neutral. You're just writing down the temperature and like, you know, what do you do with that? Well, that is up to you. All right. So uh, at this point, you know, I said, I said data orientation is, is, is something I like because we're writing information systems. We're taking in data. We're writing it out again. We're storing it, we're transforming and processing it, generating new data from that original data. And so it seems like, well, isn't that what programming is? And I would say yes, except there are some styles of programming, some paradigms you might say, where things like uh, data hiding 
are more prominent, are like important parts of that paradigm. Like in object-oriented programming, you might say we want to hide this data behind an interface. Okay, we want to hide the 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 pieces of information, the facts that we have, and you're gonna have to call methods or send me messages, uh, and I will I will do the interpreting for you. That's basically what object orientation is saying. I will do the interpretation for you because data because data requires interpretation and so I will be your interpreter. Sometimes that's nice because that interface lets you do polymorphism and stuff like that. Different things have different data, but they can still have the same interface. That's really nice. Uh, but that's not data orientation. I'm just trying to I'm trying to juxtapose the two. Uh, when you remove that f that hiding. So if you have hiding, you're adding a layer of interpretation on your data that is required. You have to go through this interpreter layer to read the data. It makes it much harder to interpret the data in multiple ways. Okay. When you have the data raw, you can interpret it however you want. Okay. So that is data orientation. It's leaving it raw so that you can interpret it. Different parts of the system have different purposes. They can read it and do different things with it. If you need to hide it, then what you're doing is you're going to bake in different interpreters into that interface. And this will just make the class get bigger and bigger. Because you're going to need methods that this thing needs over there. You're going to need methods that that thing needs. Or you could have some system for like having different, different interfaces on the same, on the same data. But then how do you get the data between them? It just it's it's really hard. So in data orientation, we just prefer to not hide, just expose it, and let the interpreters will let whatever interpreters want to uh, run on it want to interpret it do whatever they need to do that is data orientation all right I'm gonna recap data orientation is just programming with data no hiding data is facts about events uh, data uh, oriented programming you tend to uh, do a lot of data transformations your system is uh, inputting, storing, transmitting, processing data. That's what it does. So everything you're doing is something, well, not everything, but like most of what you're doing is one of those things. Um, data has structure to it, and it needs that structure because it need, you need some common way of understanding of, of using the data. So what I, what, what I mean by that is like, you know the the structure of a string, right? You know you can access each character by index, and you know the characters are going to be you know some kind of Unicode thing, and you can append two of them. Like it has a structure that we understand, uh, and then it requires interpretation. It's a double-edged sword. It requires it, but it allows different ways of interpreting the same data. Awesome. If you like this episode, 
I think you should subscribe because I've got two more episodes like lined up. They're right here. There's my notes. Um, two more of these ready to record and they'll be coming right down after this one. So you should subscribe and you'll get them. Uh, if you want to, you should go to lispcast.com slash podcast. You'll see links to subscribe and also to get in touch with me on social media. I love getting into discussions. A lot of these topics came out of questions that people had because I said something and they didn't understand it. I was, I was being confusing. Um, I needed to explain more. So this is what this is. Uh, I also love just getting into discussions. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you have a different idea of what data orientation means. Um, on the on lispcast.com slash podcast, you'll also find uh, all the old podcasts, the previous podcasts, the episodes, with audio, video, and text transcripts. So you can consume it however you want. All right. This has been my thought on functional programming. I'm Eric Normand. Thanks for listening and rock on.